Welcome to the Trade Line Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Moakland. Each of these episodes will feature a top trader or investor, such as market wizards and U.S. investing champions. Make sure to listen carefully as they share their stories and techniques that have allowed them to master their particular styles. This podcast is sponsored by TraderLine University. Click the link in the description to learn more about exclusive experiences, such as the Swing Trading Masterclass, where you can learn directly from Oliver Kell, the U.S. investing champion. In this masterclass, Oliver explains his method comprehensively and walks through specific examples of his traits. Also, be sure to check out the Leadership Blueprints course, which will level up your technical analysis abilities and teach you proprietary edges and techniques you can use to identify and manage true market leaders. And with that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to the TraderLine podcast. I'm your host, Richard Moglin. With me is the U.S. Investing Champion of 2020, Oliver Kell, um, who achieved an outstanding 941% last year in the competition against some stellar traders. So Oliver, great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me, Richard. Glad to be here. No problem. So uh, in today's podcast, we're kind of focusing about kind of your journey before the actual competition and championship, uh, because it's always interesting to hear about people's backgrounds. So to start to start things off, basically, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey prior to trading? How do you get interested in the markets? Sure. So I, uh, my dad was a market maker. So my dad worked on the Pacific Exchange. He was a market maker for 30 years or so. Um, so when we would have half days from school, the market would close at one and we would head into the floor. You know, I have four siblings. So the five of us would be running around, you know, picking up paper and all the stuff. All the floor traders loved it. Um, so, you know, I just kind of had exposure to that. I truly didn't really know what the heck they were doing other than it was the stock market. And, you know, we got to go run around and have fun, um, and hit the soda machine after. Um, so that was, you know, kind of how I, you know, understood what trading was. Um, and then my senior year of college, I, I really, I played football in college and kind of after the season, you know, I think a lot of kids where I went to school were, were really thinking about what they wanted to do. I really wasn't. Um, but then you kind of get to, you know, winter break and you're like, oh man, you know, there's one semester left. What am I going to do? And I think I went out to see my dad in the Bay area and we went actually, we actually went into the old ARCA exchange and, you know, I remember this day cause I think my dad was a little emotional about it, but we saw, you know, kids of guys who he had traded with their dads, you know, 30 years prior, things like that. Um, and, you know, I kind of started talking to him a little bit more about trading. Um, I had a buddy I played football with who was two years older than me, who worked at First New York Securities. Um, we were pretty tight and he gave me their reading list. So basically my senior spring, you know, I'd taken a lot of classes ahead and I didn't have a very packed schedule. Um, I designed it that way for different reasons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But really is what I ended up doing with my free time was just I started pouring through all the books that people know. Um, I had a kid I played football with whose dad, excellent trader, um, has his own fund and, you know, really good. And basically his advice was you have to start trading. You know, you can read all the books, you can do all that stuff, um, but you really just need to start and you're probably going to lose money for a while. Um, so, you know, eventually I took his advice, you know, I'd kind of planned to go get a job selling insurance and stuff like that. But I ended up just taking my money and putting up money to go work at what I would consider, you know, one of these bucket shops, 
um, in New York. There's, there's plenty of them. And uh, that was, you know, I just kind of hopped right in and, and I was naive enough to think that I was going to just start making money right away. Cool. And I'm always curious when, when I've talked to people like uh, Ryan Pierpont, he was an athlete, a baseball player before. How do you think being a football player and like knowing that competitive spirit um, impacts your trading? Yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. I, I don't think it's by mistake that you see, you know, a lot of athletes or former athletes get in and do well in trading. Um you know, just before the games and all the stuff people don't see, the work ethic, the grind, the weight room, the running, all that type of stuff, um, you know, that's all required um, to trade. I mean, you know, a lot of people think you just make a good trade, but there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, making sure you're prepared and you've, you know, built your strategy over time. So you a lot know of discipline. Execute. Exactly. Yeah. Discipline. And then, you know, similarly, you can work your tail off and lose the game, right. which trading can be just like that. Um, you can do everything right. You know, maybe you you're playing great, but uh, you're just not winning games. And right. you kind of have to know how to deal with that emotionally, which I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who trades who doesn't go through ruts um, at some point, And you've just got to know how to deal with that which I think sports prepare you very well for that. Um, and then I think just, you know, for me, you know, I do feel like when the market's open, you know, everybody says you're competing against yourself and, and that's totally, totally true. Um, but I do kind of have this feeling that I'm competing, you know, against Goldman or, or whatever. And you right. know, I want to, I want to win. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I think being an athlete, you know, kind of sets you up with the characteristics it takes to, to do well in this business. Absolutely. Yeah. Dealing with failure is something every trader has to understand. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had like a, a big injury that you like, it's, it, it just sucks, but you have to work through it and slowly get back to, to where you were. And training is very similar, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my, I think my senior year of college, I, I was just like a walking injury. I was in the trainer's room all week and they'd kind of patch me together and put me on the field. <clears throat> um, so, you know, yeah, exactly. Perfect. And uh, tell me a little bit more about um, working for an institution and doing institutional sales and trading um, for large institutions and how you've kind of applied what you learned there to your current methods and current strategy. Sure. So I worked as uh, on what's called an outsource desk. So basically we would have funds that, you know, they didn't want to hire an internal trader. So they hired me and my boss essentially. So I worked, mm -hmm. you know, as part of a two man team, um, we traded for some, you know, billion plus funds. Um, I would say on the low end, you know, a small fund for us might've been like 80 to a hundred million or something. Um, so, you know, as far as what I learned, I think at the time I didn't really know what I was learning other than I was learning how to do that job. Right. Um, but you know, now I can kind of see things happen or I can see a big block hit the tape. Um, and you know, I kind of have a feeling as to how that's going to affect the stock or, you know, this guy's likely going to try to protect that price, things like that. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to literally work an order for a guy who bought 10, 15% of an entire, you know, well-known company. Um, and I got to see him work that order and you know understood how vwaps worked all that 
Um, but then in this guy's case, I, I realized, you know, he really wanted to buy the company, like right. literally the whole thing. Um, so he had this frustration in that, you know, he's trying to buy, you know, a hundred times the average daily volume, <laughs> which is just not possible. Right. And, and you're trying to, you know, help him get that order done and just his thought process and, you know, Hey, where did we buy it last week? I mean, this guy would call up randomly and want to buy a million shares of a stock that would trade, you know, 300,000 a day. Right. Um, and then just hunting for anybody we could find who might be able or willing to, you know, put their shares on the market so we could print a block. Um, I've been through situations with big funds where, you know, maybe they already owned, you know, 20, 25% of a company in bankruptcy, they were part of restructuring it, et cetera. And then, you know, somewhere along the line, you know, maybe they want to get out and right. that's kind of tough to do. Um, so then other situations, maybe, maybe smaller funds, um, you know, maybe, less share size, but, you know, maybe you're shorting the stock to get in position to, to show them a bid, stuff like that. Um, but just, you know, little things, understanding how to look up and read 13F filings. You know, we would go through those a lot. It, you mm -hmm. know, if I had a, uh, a fund that owned XYZ stock, you know, I want to know who the top holders are in there. Um, right. Because if something's going to happen, if there's activity, if I can find order flow, you know, I want to be hitting all those guys up because um, maybe they turn into a client down the line or I just can kind of have that relationship um, to, you know, work with with my current customer. Um, you know, just the, the amount of things you learn, it's really endless. I, I could probably talk about it for, you know, new things would hit me as we just yeah. discussed it further. But yeah, very valuable stuff. I don't think any of it like is part of my specific strategy per se. Um, I would say maybe one of the main takeaways that has less to do with the actual trading is that there's so many people involved in the market and you could have five different people trading, investing, whatever you want to call it in the same stock with totally different objectives. Right. You know, I could be buying, I could be buying hundred thousand shares of Walmart for a directional guy uh, who's, you know, high risk. And then I'm putting a, you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand shares on the tape, but I'm doing it in alignment by, you know, selling covered calls against it for a call right strategy. And they're very, very risk averse, right. but you know, to the untrained eye, what they're doing, if you're just looking at the stock looks the exact same, right. They're buying a hundred thousand shares. So there's just a lot of different ways people approach the market. Um, I think for a lot of smaller folks, uh, you know, like myself, you know, we're momentum based cause, cause we can do that. Right. Um, but not everybody can. So just kind of understanding all the different people involved in the market is important. Perfect. And, um, obviously last year in the competition, it was, it was an outstanding year that everything kind of came together, but talk to me a little bit about the years leading up to that and some of the mistakes and, and kind of pitfalls that you had to overcome to really put together your strategy and, and, um, and have a type of year like you had last year. Yeah. So, I mean, really the majority of my, you know, trading career is a lot of failure. I mean, more failure than, than good. Um, so, you know, I started out at that original bucket shop and, you know, I think I put up like five grand or something and they gave me a couple hundred thousand of buying power. And I actually 
I look back at this and I, I actually consider it a win. I only lost $2,500 in like three and a half months. Um, and then I, I quit there. Uh, just what our strategy just I knew wasn't for me. Um, then I got a job in international arbitrage. Uh, very fortunate to have been working at this place. It was a great opportunity. Um, the mistake I made starting out is I, I had two mentors who mm -hmm. were both very different traders. One was very aggressive. He, he's probably going to see this and laugh. Um, <laughs> and the other was probably, you know, much more risk averse, kind of, you know, more chipping and putting and, and just, you know, trying to make a living intraday, uh, not, not really swinging for the fences. Um, so, you know, I had these two different people and I didn't really know who I was as a trader. Right. And, I, and I think I, you know, followed the aggressive guy in on a couple of trades and, and maybe it was in a little bit of a hole, um, you know, starting out, but I, I didn't really know what the trades were we were, we were even doing. Um, so, you know, that's one kind of pitfall right there is, you know, you want to have a mentor, you want to be learning from someone, all those things, but like, you kind of need to know what it is that you're doing, you know, what's your right. angle, what's your strategy or, or, or else you're just following. Right. Right. And then two is an international arbitrage. You know, I think when a lot of those guys that I was learning from had got in and I'm, and I'm speculating here a little bit, I think when they had got into international arbitrage, you know, you could have news core trading a percent above parity in the U S you could short it, you could do your Aussie dollars and you could cover half in Australia and make 1% um, just because the markets weren't as efficient. And I think they could do that all day long. Um, so I think maybe some of that was still going on, but it just didn't work as well. Mm -hmm. And it's what I mean is even international arbitrage, um, the straight up ARBs weren't really there. I would say you, you really had to judge sentiment and that, you know, you wanted to know what charts were doing and all those things, because something may be trading a percent above parity in the U.S., but heck, that thing's ripping and they like News Corp more in Australia than in the U.S. So it's going to open up even higher. Right. If you're shorted, you know, you're down at a loss. So, you know, I had to learn that the hard way um, and just really sentiment, like is what I learned in different stocks in different countries were treated differently. So News Corp was a stock I traded a lot of. Uh, they liked it more in Australia than the U.S. So in a if you could find an uptrending market and you could somehow get it at a discount in the U S you know, you, it was likely going to be a good trade into Australia. Um, and you, you know, it could work vice versa in bad markets, et cetera, but kind of understanding that sentiment was huge. Mm -hmm. And I didn't grasp that. I don't think, um, well, I was there. Um, but really when I was there, I, I kind of realized the ARB stuff wasn't for me. And I started learning from this guy on Twitter, trader, Florida, um, actually started doing pretty well, making some money. And on my second best day ever, um, this was like 2011, uh, I, lo I lost my job because I, I was short the market. Uh, I was the smallest trader in our firm by far. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys kind of got, got caught long and a lot of commodity type stuff along the Aussie dollar. Um, and, I didn't see that coming. Right. You right. Know, I was like pretty young, didn't really know the difference, thought I was doing great. And then jobs gone. Um, so then I, I did international or then I went and I worked at, uh, you know, the sales and trading kind of went over that. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of skip that. Um, but I did, I did trade my accounts there, um, had a lot of restrictions, 
Um, and I thought if I could kind of get out of there and focus more on my trading, you know, that would help. But, you know, I ended up selling mutual funds and I had, you know, like a, I think originally it was a 30 day hold and then a 90 day hold. And, you know, that was like three. That's tough. Yeah, yeah it was pretty tough. It was like three years. Um, and at the time, I remember thinking, you know, this is impossible. You know, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I started more just kind of buying index funds and stuff like that. But I still traded. And the is what kind of happened there for me is priceless because I would buy stocks and I would, you know, look for a chart pattern, all the things that I do now. Um, but now, you know, something doesn't work. I just pitch it out. No big deal. Right. Um, but then I, if it didn't work, I'd have to watch it go down. And sometimes I'd be in crisis mode and then it would come right back up and turn into a winner. Or sometimes it'd be a huge winner. And, you know, five days before I'm able to sell it, it'd come back down and, you know, I'd sell it at cost or, you know, even worse, be up big and sell it at a loss. And <clears throat> kind of the key thing there though is, I was, you know, sort of forced to go through all the emotions that you could possibly have right. um, without any ability to do anything. Um, so is what I did do is I, you know, I was still looking at charts every night. I was still doing all the things that, you know, you do if you're trying to learn. And I kind of developed my strategy really, you know, at that point in time um just kind of how things moved around the moving averages um you know i had all the knowledge from the books i'd read william o'neill i'd read minervini i'd read all these guys you know multiple times mm -hmm. um but going through that sort of allowed me to kind of understand how you know price action worked in a, in a different way you know different than being taught it and being shown a pattern being shown higher highs and higher lows you know, really just from a, a perspective that, I, you know, you kind of have to be in a situation where you can't trade to experience. Um, so that was invaluable to me. Um, and then, you know, I think when I finally got back to really trading, you know, I had this new strategy I loved, uh, didn't, didn't really work out, <laughs> didn't really work out. Um, so I put a bunch of my money into real estate and I, and I went all in on that. Uh, had a bunch of setbacks there, but, but, uh, push through it, basically it's like the same thing as trading like anything you get into you, you gotta you know, learn yeah yeah you kind of get whacked around and and then you you know if you keep at it and keep your head down you persevere um but i i realized i kind of once i felt like i'd sort of figured that out and, and you never really figure it out it just i sort of lost interest in it from more than just like a, this is a good long-term investment perspective right um so i started trading again and i, and I had still been paying attention to the market and in, in trading a, a you know a smaller account um but I, I got back into it and i you know still like i started having some success kind of chipping and putting um you know and then i'd, I'd give back and i'd have some success and i'd give back um and then, you know, really it's what I've been trying to do that whole time, you know, the last three or four years, five years or so is basically just learn how to keep my money um, because that's really kind of the difference. I, I think that most people can make money when the market's good um, and you can certainly refine those skills 
And I think a lot of refining those skills is kind of, you know, uh, getting a hold of your emotions, you know, at specific yeah. points of time when you know you should be doing something, but it's, you know, scary or, or whatnot. Um, but once you have enough experience, it's not scary anymore. It's almost like the game kind of slows down. Um, and then just kind of, you know, creating rules to, to trade less, right. you know, I'm a chronic over trader. So, you know, trying to trade less, make rules for that, um, not trade corrections. Um, you know, I went through a phase there where it was like, oh, I'm going to shorten my time frame and day trade the correction. And I, I still do that to a degree. Um, but I think really is what I'm working towards is, is either getting my shorts right from the beginning. And if I don't just, just literally sit out, um, because I think it's going to be important for me to kind of get that mental reset. So just kind of building up on all those things, you know, from literally, you know, going at it, failing, losing yeah. my job, having to get another job, um, having the restrictions and going through that. And at the time you kind of think it's like the end of the world when, when a winner turns into a loser, but you look back and it is what it is. You know, it's not as much money as you thought at the time um, to just kind of grinding it out and, and doing everything that I'm still doing right now. Um, you know, <clears throat> everybody thinks I do like 900% a year, which is just not reality. Uh, so I'm grinding it out. I'm, I'm trying to do my best. I'm trying to put, put, you know, money on the board every single month and, and just, you know, trade well, same, same thing as everybody else. Yeah, the, the common thread for me there, through all, through all that, whatever you do, you just persevere, 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 keep trying, keep keep taking a shot at it. And um, talking about overtrading, it, it was really cool. I think yesterday we were going over the slides in preparation for the webinars, and um, you were showing us how you use the moving averages and how they flatten out after correction. You're like, wow, maybe we, can, we should just wait until, you know, we finally get the wedge pop at the very end and just kind of let everything go, let everything else go during the correction. So over trading seems, seems to be a common thread with all, a lot of people's mistakes. Yeah. I mean, I think cutting down on over trading and keeping your money in a correction, I, I think if people could do that, you know, they would make probably, you know, two X the money they make right now. Right. For, right. For the most part. Right. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, competing in 2020, a kind of overview and recap, because you were up against some amazing traders, a lot of people who I've interviewed and and uh, are fantastic educators and teachers, Matt Caruso, Anish um, and, and Ryan. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that overall experience and uh, kind of your big takeaways from that year. Yeah, so I didn't really realize and, and maybe it's not a big deal, but seems like people make it out to be a big deal. I didn't really realize it was that big a deal. Um, you know, I kind of entered for fun. Uh, you know, I've been trading. I, you know, feel like I, you know, know what I'm doing, have a pretty good feel for the tape. Um, and I wanted to enter to just see how I would do. Right. Um, in reality, it was nothing more than that. Um, then when I kind of got into it and, you know, call it like the six month mark or so where I think myself, Tomas, Matt, um, had kind of the three of us had really separated ourselves from the group, you know, maybe Anish was still right there. Um, but it, you know, it, it, it became fun at first, uh, 
because it was kind of cool. Like, wow, we're putting up like really big numbers. This is crazy. Um, I do think that it, it probably, you know, caused me, especially when I knew the market was likely to kind of come in, it made me a little more reluctant to sell. Cause I, I kind of felt like, you know, I need to stay, you know, it just, it, it messes with you a little bit, I, I would right. say. So I, I don't know if it's the best idea for, for some people. Um, and then I would say, you know, I had a tough patch right around this time of the year. Um, and, you know, October ish or so, um, where I had a drawdown and, 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 you know, when everybody knows your performance and when every, thing for you seems to just be going wrong um it's just adds more pressure and you know because right. at that point you're nine months in and that's the thing people don't realize it's a long competition you know you're nine months in and you know i'm telling my wife like oh man you know i, I blew it you know i just totally blew it and uh you know you're you're a little down and i, I gotta say my wife is just a bulldog you know always doubles down on me whenever i'm a, a little down and out myself um and I got some advice from, from, you know, some mentors and folks who've helped me out. Um, and I was able to regroup and just get back to basics, which is something that I always try to do when I'm, you know, in a slump is get back to basics, you know, make one good trade size down, you know, maybe trade like 30% of your account or something, you know, get two good trades. And then I find that all of a sudden you start to see things more clearly and yeah. often you were just trying to, you know, not trade a good market. And, and when the market gets good, it becomes obvious, to, at least to me. Um, and, you know, the, you know, I think the rest is history. For sure. And um, I got to say, it's been really cool uh, uh, meeting with you and, and prepping these slides for, for the webinars and getting kind of some personal lessons and seeing really how you interpret the market cycle. Uh, but I'm curious, what are you most looking forward to when it comes to uh, uh, the masterclass we'll be putting on for, for swing trading, kind of passing along your style? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, uh, I was, I'm a little reluctant to, to do it at first, um, but I think I, I wrote the book and really when I wrote the book, it was, it was kind of a pain for me yeah. to do it, uh, to be completely honest. Um, and I wrote it and I put it out there and I, you know, I didn't really expect much to come of it, to be completely frank. And then, you know, I get messages from people who it's really helped them or, you know, they've studied all this stuff and it's so complicated, but, you know, my approach is very simple and just literally using like the 20 period moving average and not getting long below it and not getting short above it. You know, I've had people say that's the only thing I have taken away and my performance has gone up dramatically. Right. And I was right. like, okay, so, so, you know, basically I decided to do this course, you know, after, you know, talking to you guys and my goal is, you know, hopefully this can, can help people. And if I can give more details, if the Q and a, if somebody has a specific question that, you know, maybe I just wouldn't think to speak about. And if I can answer that and it makes a big difference in their trading, um, you know, then that's, that's the goal for me. Cause right. you know, I think about how much time and effort I put in and I, and I really had a mentor who I don't think anybody would know who he is, who really, you know, he actually saw me on Twitter struggling because I would post charts on Twitter when I didn't make money. And I would actually, you know, basically say like, wow, I really blew that one. 
And, uh, you know, he reached out to me and he kind of became a mentor and we reconnected, you know, post investing championship because he, he got off thin to it. Um, and I, I kind of just think to how he helped me and if, and he certainly made a big difference, you know, in my life. And if I can, you know, help one person or, you know, then it's, you know, that's really the goal. Hopefully, hopefully a lot of people, but, um, that's the goal for me. Perfect. No, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. And if you're interested in that, uh, we'll have a link down below in the description and, and popping up right now. Uh, the first one is this weekend, the 16th. And then we're going to do four different webinars talking about different specific sections of Oliver's style. Um, I think the last one is probably going to be going to be my favorite on mindset, which uh, just isn't talked about enough. And you, you touched on that a little bit today. So uh, with that, uh, Oliver, any kind of last words for people who, who are watching this? And uh, yeah, any last words? No, just uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, Richard. I've enjoyed yeah. working through the uh, course with you too. Um, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours, as you know, and I, you know, I can't wait to see, you know, what you're doing now and, and what, you, what you're going to be doing in the future too. So it's always fun. Awesome. Thanks, Oliver. Uh, to everybody watching, go ahead and leave a like down below and subscribe if you haven't already to the Trailline channel. And we'll see you guys in future videos. Thanks.